You need to put God in the midst of everything you do. You know, there's a particular scripture that said God does not, he doesn't want to be in the background of our lives. He wants to be in our lives. And if you always portray yourself in the foreground of your life, God, there's no room for God. There's no room for Jesus. You got to get yourself out of the picture, get yourself out of the frame so that God can do what he does best. And what he does best is directs our lives. He shows us the destiny that is so much more amazing than we could even imagine. And if I could just get myself, just do a little sidestep <laughs> and get myself out of the picture, God can do it. God will do it. He will make your life bigger, better, and brighter than you can ever imagine. Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me is also my professional... Wow. What am I? Yeah, it didn't come out right. Yeah. You're my professional listener with a voice. That's what she calls herself. My co-host in life, my beautiful (laughs) wife. Her name is... See, I did much better. Yes. What's your name? Just Jen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's all you had to say is just Jen. I know, but sometimes there's the buildup and then you got the delivery and you just want it to be awesome. And then every once in a while you fall a little flat. You sounded like Elmer Fudd. What? Yeah. How did I sound like Elmer Fudd? I don't know. Elmer Fudd. Well, you just said I sounded like Elmer Fudd. Because you said... Blah, 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 blah. Is that what Elmer says? I think so. <laughs> I don't remember, but now he does. How you doing today? I am super fantabulous. I love your shirt, Sunshine on My Mind. Yes, because I'm headed to Mexico. Is that a John Denver song, Sunshine on Your Mind? No, that's You're Always on My Mind. Yeah, who sang that? You're always on my <laughs> mind. I don't know. <laughs> Are we dating ourselves now? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. I think it was like your dad's music. Well, I know my dad didn't sing it, that's for sure. He might have. What? Why not? He didn't have a voice like that. Oh. He doesn't have a voice like you. You have a voice like an angel. <laughs> you tell me that I will never make it onto the American Idol in Hollywood. Why would I say something so hope crushing like that? I know. I don't ever believe you because I know I can do whatever I want to do because with God, I can do it all. Yes, you can. So you if are I so- wanted to, I would totally be on American Idol. You know, sometimes you're intimidating. <laughs> Wow. Sometimes you are intimidating. You're just this spirit can-do attitude. You slap me upside the head. Like, you you know, if you're a strong man, you need a strong woman to slap you upside the head every once in a while. That's right. That's what I got. I, I got me a double helping of a strong woman. I'll tell you that much. Every once in a while, I get a little scared. Yeah. I get a little scared and intimidated. That's sad. No, it's good. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. You, you help me rise. You know, they say... Uh, Here's the thing when it mm-hmm. comes to relationships, mm-hmm. okay? 
you need somebody that helps you rise. Yeah. You need somebody that can meet you and their expectations and what they bring as strengths and weaknesses. Like you help each other rise, rise. in life. Like the Phoenix. Right? Yeah. You, you mm-hmm. make me want to be a better man. Oh, where'd you read that? Uh, <laughs> I ho- saw, saw that in a book. Hopefully I make you want to be a better woman. Do I? Of course you do. Do I accomplish that? Yes. Do I help you that way? <laughs> I think we both definitely help each other that way. Yeah. And then, and then, and then it's a rocket straight to the sun. Yeah. That's what we're going to accomplish. Yeah. I, I could never be with somebody who didn't have goals and dreams that were really big, you know? Do I have really big goals and dreams? Yeah. I do, don't Yeah. I? Sometimes scary, huh? Scary. Like you never expected to be on the radio. Do you remember when you used to almost slap me when I would even mention you on the radio? I still do. I know. Look at my red <laughs> cheek. <laughs> There's no hitting going on here. All right. You ready for some funny? I am always ready for the funny. It's time for funny. Okay. It's time for us to get our jokes on. It's joke time with Sean and Jen. Okay. You're going to go first? I'll go first. All right, you go first. You ready? I think so. What did the rabbit say to the carrot? What did the rabbit say to the carrot? I'm going to eat you. It's been nice gnawing you. (laughs) (laughs) Super cute. That is a good one. Cute, funny. Yeah, it was good. Mm -hmm. You ready for mine? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Why is a baseball stadium always cold? I don't know. Because it's full of fans. <laughs> yes, it is. That's funny. Yeah, we don't like watching baseball. Yeah. You know what? I don't like watching baseball on TV because the commentators are very boring. But I do like watching baseball in person because you get so many snacks. You would like the snacks. The snacks are plentiful in the stadium. And you're all about food. But to me, baseball is like watching. It's like an hour of boredom punctuated by like a minute of excitement. Yeah. Well, we thought the same thing about basketball games, too. Like watching them on TV is different than being there. Yeah, I think I always enjoyed basketball more than baseball. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Personal preference. I like football. I like basketball. Yeah. I do like watching football on TV, though. Yeah. Because I like to hear more of what's going on. Like, they're better at telling me what's going on, and I can yeah. see closer. There's something about when that football songs come on, like Monday night, Carrie yes. Underwood comes on, oh, and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm ready. I, we haven't heard it this year. I know. There's no football. Pandemic, COVID, Pandemic. whatever. Yeah. Whatever's right. happening, there's no football. Well, I've got an awesome story for you. I've got a, a great, great interview mm-hmm. scheduled. Okay. I've got somebody coming on the line. Sonia, formerly Clayton, Sonia Davis now. Okay. But she's going to tell us about her story. Are she's going to tell us about her. I feel like it, you know, that Davis strong, you know, <laughs> yeah. like what we always tell her. Like, What's your last, your name means something. You we better, should do a 23 and me. I know. See if and we're related. See if we're related. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, she's going to come on and she's going to share a little bit about her life, a little bit about her history, a little bit about her story. And I am super excited because it's a hope story. It's a God story. Oh, I like those. I love those. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to call her up right now and get her on the line. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. All right. I've got Sonia Clayton on the line. Sonia, welcome to Hope Radio Podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing 
fantabulous. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I love that. Appreciative of you guys. Oh, yeah. we're appreciative of you. She yeah. used one of your words, Jen. I know it's my favorite word, fantabulous. Oh, yes, I oh. love it. Awesome. And then after awesome. that, she usually awesome. says supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> I'm a little extra, Sonia. <laughs> We need extras in this world. We really do. Well, for the benefit of uh, our audience, what part of the country are you in? Where do you live? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, I'm currently I'm in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and um, we're experiencing a little heat wave here. But uh, nonetheless, I'm still appreciative for a new day. Oh, that's the best perspective. You know, we have some fellowship with you because have you, if you hadn't heard, California is going through its own little version of a heat wave and fires and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have some things that we could uh, sit on and camp on that would be frustrating, but we don't ever do that. We are happy to finally see after two weeks some blue sky instead of some smoke. So oh, it was an yes. awesome yeah. beginning to the day. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Well, we were so excited, Sonia, to have you on. I know in um, in our pre-dialogue, you know, we had a chance to, to talk and some of what you shared about your story, I, it was just riveting to me and I, th- I felt like such a hope message, um, a message that other people could draw from and learn from and experience. And so, you know, I, I felt like having you on the show was was meeting a need and I have no doubt that somebody listening is is going to be impacted by your story. So, what I would like you to do is maybe begin with um, some of the, the history of your life and specifically, you know, a time period in your life where you felt like things were just not working out right for you. And I think it was involving a relationship that you'd had. And so if you could just kind of set up the, the, the time of your life for our audience, that would be great. Problem. I grew up in New York City area in the 70s and 80s coming from a Caribbean immigrant family who had strong beliefs of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. Recognize that, you know, you're here because of people before you. Mm-hmm. And so you take pride in whatever you do. And so with that type of mentality in the background, I saw a little bit of contradictory perception because I saw, you know, a family who, you know, struggled, working class family who would work two or three jobs. We were the the traditional uh, Caribbean family that had like 17 jobs between them, um, between <laughs> my mom and dad. And, uh, you know, we had a house full of cousins and, and grandmas and uncles. Um, and I used to hate that because I'm like, there was no time to go use the bathroom because there were so <laughs> many people in the house. Um, but I, I learned that, you know, through that experience, I, I, I have a deep relationship with my cousins and uncles because of that experience. But moving uh, ahead, went to graduate from high school, then went to Syracuse University, my alma mater. I'm definitely an orange woman mm-hmm. and uh, pursued a degree in mathematics because I wanted to be a math teacher and, you know, just was focused on academics because that was the mainstay in my house. A is average, B is bad, you know, mm-hmm. so don't even think about looking at a C or a D. 
are bringing that to the Clayton household. I think that's one of the hallmarks usually of an immigrant family. I think when you come from another country into the United States, you're usually doing so because the opportunities, the, the, the life that you're living in that other country isn't as great as what it could be in the States. So the United States has always been called the land of opportunity. But so I think the people that have the courage to come here and, and bring all of their family, they have high expectations for you to take advantage of those opportunities. They have high expectations that you, you just, you need to rise. I brought you here. We, we came here where there was nothing. And so, yeah, I I could see how that's a double-edged sword. It it can make you, thrive or it could potentially make you wither depending on how successful you are at rising. Absolutely. You you hit the nail right on the head (laughs) because for me, it became more of, I have to keep this and maintain this high level of performance at all times, everywhere you go. So, you know, I mean, I was to the point where I was ironing my underwear. Okay. That's how crazy It was because everywhere you go, you have to present yourself the best way you know how. Um, And I remember when I was at Syracuse, I had a roommate and, you know, she was just like, you know, you're just so obsessively neat. It just drives me crazy. And I'm like, well, you have to have order in your life. Why don't you have order in Mm -hmm. yours? It brought on a very judgmental, very conceited perspective. And um, in the four years that I was in school, did well, you know, made a few friends, but I realized, you know, I was a very lonely person, you know, because when you're on this path of success, you are lonely, you know, you don't interact as much. And I think a lot of it is my personality. I didn't interact as much. I wasn't very social. I had, you know, a few friends. But um, there was one thing that was missing from my life, and that was a boyfriend. I've been doing this for four years. I graduated from college. Then I was going on to graduate school, and I somehow just came to the revelation that I needed a man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wanted some affection. You wanted some love. You, you needed a, exactly. a, 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 the attention of a male. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I my mom would always say, make your boyfriend your book, you know, love it up at night, you know, hug it, kiss it. I love that. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, I can love it and hug it for a little while, but there's no hugging back. And so went on a few dates and just realized that I just wanted affection. I wanted someone to hug me and it didn't matter who. It was. If I can get just the affection, something different from academics. And that was the spiral downhill because I I did not know some of the rules of the game of interacting with people. I was very naive. I was very stupid. I fell in like with uh, an individual who happened to, you know, also have been my husband. And then the father of my two kids. And, you know, he gave me the affection, but he was in a spiral downhill himself. During that time, I had given my life to the Lord, but I still wanted the affection of a man. You know, God was okay, but I need somebody who can 
hold me at night, you know, and didn't realize that he had a whole slew of problems and issues and generational curses like never before. I'm talking about generational curses when it comes to drugs and alcohol and crime. And when I got involved with this gentleman, I was so blinded by the fact that I wanted some relationship. I wanted this relationship so bad that I was oblivious to a lot of the things that he did. He did things in full view, but I just blinded it out. And some people would say to me, like, Sonia, what is wrong with you? Why did you marry this guy? You know, don't you know he's doing drugs? I'm like, he's not doing drugs. What are you talking about? And the reality was is that I was living the perception of trying to at least look as though that everything was okay, but everything was so wrong. I think that's a function of... You know, your, your upbringing, when you, you are raised to succeed, where the only thing that matters is, is your performance, you know, your academics, etc. Number one, I think you had commented that you, know, you didn't have a lot of friends. You didn't have a lot of time for friends. Like you, there was such a right. high expectation on your exactly. quote unquote performance that that stuff got discarded. So along with no friends, you, you didn't have that network of people and witnessing their relationships Correct. and witne- witnessing how they handled boyfriends, et cetera, et cetera. And some of the, you know, the, the sneaky games or whatever that guys can play. N- none of that hits your radar. So like y- you, none, none of that. and then you get to a place where it's like, listen, like part of life is, is, you know, intimacy, affection, you know, like love, care and concern. So I, I feel like your story is one where, you know, like the, 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 the first guy that came along that was showing you that version of it or showing you, hey, listen, I can I can be that for you in this moment. Like you grabbed onto it like you didn't and you didn't I, have any experience to see some of these other problem areas or some of these different. warning signs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I didn't see anything different. And so after got married in 1991, as a matter of fact, that was the same year I graduated um with uh, my my second degree and found out I was pregnant and got married in June and had my son in October. And I could tell you during that year, 1991 was a pivotal year, I went through hell in a handbasket because found out that he was doing drugs on a regular basis to the point where he would actually bring his friends to the house that we were staying at and would perpetrate that, oh, um, you know, your husband needs money because he's stranded in a car. And I would be like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? You know, and they didn't have cell phones where you could directly call. But I never would think that, why isn't he calling me to, <laughs> to, to contact me about where he is? But he would have friends come to the house, like they talking about needing money because of some made-up story. And I would just give and give, and give, and give, and realize that I was in a total whirlwind of just emotional and mental drama. And so after going through that, I thank God for the people of God who extended themselves to me. Because at that time, I had one good friend who was saved. 
and he prayed and prayed and intervened. And he was telling me, you know, it's funny, you need to come to church. You need to come to church. And I'm like, no, 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 I could do this on my own. You know, I could figure it out. And then, you know, lo and behold, I went to church, rededicated my life, and just had a relationship like none other with the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I held on to him like never before. And I realized that, you know what? <clears throat> with God, I can really endure this. I can make this work with God. And it didn't work out. After 10 years of going through the highs and lows with my ex-husband, he did some very criminal activity and uh, found himself in jail for 20 years and got served a sentence for 20 years um, because of drugs and alcohol and the criminal activity. And I didn't tell anybody about that because uh, always, again, the perception of how would this look? How would this look? And even to my own kids. I, they were young at the time, and I, you know, they would ask me questions about, you know, where is dad? And I'd be like, oh, he's gone away. He'll be back. You know, let's just focus on us, right? Let's just focus on us. And, you know, I thought that, you know, if God, the Savior who has saved me from my sins, can just help me and my kids, I'll be okay. And lo and behold, that help came in the form of a church community. It came in the form of a pastor who basically um, preached the word of God uncompromisingly and said to me personally that, Sonia, you need help. <laughs> you need help. And you need help with your kids. And we have a group of women here in our women's group who can show you the way. Just extend yourself. And I did, and they helped me. And they helped me with being truthful with myself. They and and also with your family. I mean, I was I was just curious with all the cousins oh, yeah. and, and all the family relationships that you had, your parents, et cetera. Did anybody know what was going on at the time, or were, were you hiding it no, from your family because, as well? Right, right. So I grew up in New York City. So Syracuse is about five and a half hours away from New York City area. And so I hid that. I was in Syracuse by myself. And so I um, graduated and, and got married uh, and went to Syracuse to start my life. So I was five and a half hours away. And I really did not tell my family about what was going on. I always had an excuse. I lied and basically said that, you know, everything is fine when everything wasn't fine. Everything was perceived to be, well, you know, they're going through a little spat, but actually my ex-husband was in jail and he was in jail for a year at that time. And so everything was more of, well, I can do this still on my own. Now that I have God, everything is still wonderful. I can still do it by myself. Like I said before, went to church, got involved in the community of believers, and a pastor, the pastor of the church, basically just directed me, directed my spirit, my soul, and my body almost <laughs> on just getting connected, getting connected with the people of God. And 
that connection allowed me to be truthful with myself, allowed me to unload the weight of being a single parent, unload the weight of saying, you know what, you are depressed, Sonia, because you had an image of, you know, uh, a husband being there with you and he's not there with you, you know, and allowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior is great, but you still need help. You still need the help of God and the people of God are going to help you. And if you allow them in, if you let go of your pride, <laughs> let go of the perception of what life should be and enjoy what God is bringing to you, then it will get better. It will get better. And lo and behold, I got involved with the church, got involved with, you know, women of the church. And I tell you, um, not only did they help me, but they kind of saved me from myself. They kind of just said, you know what, you know, we'll take the kids, you know, for a day or two. We'll take them to school or whatever football game or basketball game that they were involved in. And they became my extended family. And as a result of that extended family, I started to even extend myself to others in a truthful and great manner. When I look back at my life, I realize so much of what I went through was false pride, was just just a, a fake reality of what I wanted. And God had to just really just dive in with the community of believers and and save me from myself. Save you from the the curse of what I would say is is high expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really, so th- this is something that I think is a, is a point that we need to uh, hammer home. I, I think a lot of, of parents have such high expectations over their children. Lord knows I have. Jen, Jen would attest to this. I've, I've had very high expectations of, of my children, which I think is, is both good and bad. And what I've come to realize with, with wisdom and age and time is that, you know, sometimes those those high expectations can create such an onerous burden on them that it stifles them, that it stifles who they are. Absolutely. They think that they're not they're not appropriate or they're not accepted unless they achieve. And so I've really myself had to do work on that in my own mindset to try to shed those expectations and and meet them where they are and ultimately come to the conclusion that, you know, when I decided to have kids myself, I'm, I'm like, all I ever wanted for them was happiness. Right. All I ever wanted for them was them to be happy and content with their life. Well, what if I'm the reason why they're not? Mm-hmm. What if I'm wow. and my yeah. expectations are the reason why they're not happy? Yeah. My wow. judgment, wow. my, my, you know, my concern, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. Instead of lifting them up, wow. I'm, I'm focusing on what they're not doing. What if I'm the reason that they become unhappy? And so uh, I think that coming to terms with that, I, I think in your situation, you know, I'm not trying to point fingers at your parents. I just think that this is one of the liabilities of a lot of immigrant families that come to the States is they do have such high expectations of their children from what they've run from, gotten out of, you know, moved away from to here, like you will perform, mm-hmm. like you will thrive, you know, and sometimes you miss the forest through the trees. Yes. I mean, ultimately they wanted you to be happy, but what if their pressure is why you weren't? Yeah. 
Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and this is what God had to unveil with me. And I had to rediscover, you know, Sonia, who Sonia really, really is. And it took me being five and a half hours from my family to really rediscover who I am and the experiences that I went through. And just to just continue that that story with um, the community of believers, I realized that from being around women of God, and they were truly women of God, they weren't perfect, but they were truly women of God. They not only extended themselves, but they extended their truths. And I say that because they expressed to me things that they went through that my parents, especially my mom, um, did not reveal to me. And as a result, it just made me realize some of the things that I was holding on to were not even worth holding on to. And one of those things is what you just mentioned in terms of high expectation. It's not to say that we don't want our children to succeed. We want them to succeed, but we want them to succeed God's way, not our way. And I had to let go of the expectations of my parents and just have God minister to me through these women. And as a result, and the best part of it is that I was able to lead my mom and my dad to Christ. Oh, wow. See, there's a reason there's, there's always, there's always a silver lining to the adversity through that adversity and through people coming alongside you, you were able to make an impact on your family. Right. And it had to happen (laughs) because, and I say that because we, I was such, I was so under the pressure of being the best and being right and presenting that once that pressure was unveiled and once that, that, that veil was taken off, my parents were able to see the truth and that I was happy regardless. I was not anxious. I was always an anxious child um, when I was younger because of this, you know, ability to perform and doing well. And they realized something that you, you, there's a peace about you, Sonia. There's an understanding that everything's going to be okay, even when you're in the midst of chaos. They saw a joy unspeakable. And they even inquired, like, to the point where my my father actually said, what do I need to do to get back to God? And I'm like, well, here you go. Thank you, Lord. You you know what they call that? (laughs) They call it being the light. Right. He calls us to be the light and you were the light. And when you be the light, when you rest in that, when when you exude that, people are highly attracted to it because it's unusual. Hallelujah. It's not the norm. Hallelujah. Yeah. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't. And so, I, I, you know, going forward, my parents and I, are we have the best relationship ever. We really, really do. We are very truthful and to the point where they started to unload some of their past uh, experiences, um, things that were hidden, things that happened to them that affected their conduct, their behavior, and their own perceptions. And so we, we started to talk about that and realize 
where God can just minister and really show himself as our Jehovah Shalom, our Jehovah Nisi, our, our Jehovah Sidkenu, our Jehovah Rohi, our Jehovah Raphael. And I recognize that in each one of those names of God, I had to experience everything that showed and proved that God is who he says he is. And as a result, my parents know God, my children know God, my family, certain members of my cousins, they know him. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, exploration and experience that I've had so far. Oh, I love that. I love that. For the benefit of our listeners that may not know Jehovah and all the iterations of it, why don't you tell them what the layman's terms for those are? So our healer, our provider, right? Yeah. Jehovah Rohi is, Rolfi, excuse me, is our healer. Jehovah Sidkenu is our God, our righteousness, our right way of doing things. Our Jehovah Jireh is our God who provides. Even when it doesn't seem like there's a way out of no way, he does provide. Our Jehovah Shalom, he is our peace in the midst of a storm. I think this is a really important point, too. You had to experience that to understand it. You had to be in the circumstance where he could meet your needs emotionally, physically, financially, you know, spiritually, in order for you to understand that version of him. That's right. That's right. That's right. And I am still (laughs) exploring other versions of our God. Our God is so multifaceted and so multi-layered that I don't even think that we have a lifetime to really see all of who He is, and um, I'm I'm fascinated by just even the next day of what God wants to do in my life, in my family life, and I'm ready. I'm ready. Tell us that there's a happy ending because you talked about the marriage, you talked about yes. the divorce, you talked about yeah. him being in prison yeah. and, and you know, you're yeah. a single mom with, with kids. And so tell us that you had a happy ending to this situation. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, after 10 years of marriage, I divorced my husband and I realized that, you know, I can't change him. This is a job for Jesus. You are a job for Jesus, and I'm not him. Um, (laughs) Somehow I think that uh, Jen says that about me every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) When she's honorary and I'm feisty, she's like, now you're a job for Jesus, and I'm not him. So you just shoo yourself out of the room. That's right. I got a strong woman. She she slaps me outside the head every once in a while when I need it. (laughs) Oh, goodness. And so... I divorced my uh, husband in Syracuse, and God just had me to come down to Florida. My parents had moved back in 1991 and got a job opportunity down here, and I felt so peaceful. I drove all the way from Syracuse to Fort Lauderdale, Florida with my two kids, and I can tell you, I could have driven to Alaska and back with the peace of God that I had as I was driving. It took me 24 hours to get here. And um, I just had such a peace knowing that God wanted me to be here. Now, of course, 
I, I, you know, I don't believe God is a God of divorce, but I do believe that God is a God of second chances. Even though the divorce happened to me, I just believe that it was just the timing. And especially if your ex-husband tells you that, you know, he doesn't want to be married anymore. I'm like, okay, it's my time to go. So came down to Florida, got a job, worked at a university for a year and a half and decided to go back and be a school teacher and did that for about 10 years. And in between that 10 years, I came upon another person, another man who just really was the, the image of the, of the man that I had envisioned. And we dated for a while, and I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to get married any, you know, anytime soon. Dude, you know, <laughs> let's just be friends. And uh, after a while, we became great friends. And we became best friends. And, you know, just realized that I, I couldn't live my life without him and, and vice versa. And we got married March 2nd, 2018. Mm-hmm. And so my name changed from Sonia Clayton to Sonia Davis. Oh, and, uh, that's our last name. We have the same last name. I love oh, that. Oh, great, great. <laughs> and uh, as a result, uh, it has been such a pleasure every day because I I knew that God wants me to be happy. He, not only happy, but joyful. Have just like a joy. Um, with being with somebody who loves you and love him. Mm. I knew that. I knew that God wanted me to be happy with somebody, but I had to just go through the fire of recognizing what God's happiness and what God's joy is all about. Um, and it's not a pressure. It's not competition. It's not, you know, trying to be, um, something that you're not, but it's just an unmistakable just love of another person and they love you regardless of your uh, mistakes, regardless of your past and, and vice versa. And I tell you every day that we've been married, every day I look forward to having him come home <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, when he comes from work. And it, it has been just a joy. We, we, we fellowship together, we minister together um, at our church, and uh, it, it's just been a, one day of joy after another. I'm not saying that we haven't had our hiccups. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, a couple years ago, I was diagnosed with lupus, um, and uh, I thought that I was really going to die, <laughs> to be honest with you. But um, God's grace and God's mercy has just really has been shown evident in the love and the care of my husband. And uh, he has really just, you know, stepped up to the plate of being a caregiver. Um, When I couldn't go to work, he went and worked, you know, two, three jobs to just make sure that I was I was taken care of and we had food in the house and the bills were paid. That's and what love is. That's what love and that's yes. what a, that's a, what a oh, true yes. spouse and oh. companion life partner is. And, and so oh my I have, I have a question. I feel a prompting here to, to ask yes, this sir. question because I feel like somebody listening, Sonia is going to relate to yeah. 
your experience in that first marriage where they where they know like deep down inside somewhere they just have this knowing this confirmation that the relationship isn't right that the marriage may not be right the situation how they're being treated how they're being either respected or disrespected to to some degree is not right and so you know how how could you minister to that person now what would you say to yourself so let's go back in time. Let's 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 say the current yeah, version of yeah. Sonia can speak to the former version of Sonia. What would you say yeah. to yourself? Girl, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but on a serious note, you seek believers that love you. And you tell the truth. Tell the truth. Spill your heart out. And if you know, because God always give us these, these knowing feelings that something just isn't right. And some people call it, you know, a gut feeling. I call it the Holy Spirit warning us, forewarning us that something is not right. And you seek out believers you seek out others and tell them look i'm about to go down this lane called marriage or down this lane called a wedding but i'm feeling this way and i don't know what i need to do and i wish i had ran to somebody or i had listened to somebody um who said that you know sonia i don't think that this marriage is is okay. You know, let's let's talk about this. Get a hold of and if you are a believer, get a hold of the word of God. Um, and just spill yourself out to God. And I'm telling you, God will spill himself onto you and he will tell you and reveal the truth to you like none other. And so definitely just one of the first thing is be truthful. Be hardcore truthful about yourself and about your situation. Don't deny the feelings of doubt, of fear, of anxiety that you might have. And just say, explore them with somebody that you trust, with a pastor, with a, a spiritual friend, with your mother, um, depending on your relationship with her. Just spill it out. Spill it out. Um, and I, I truly believe that's what had caused me to not, uh, to, to go down the road that I went down because I wasn't honest with myself. I wasn't real. I wasn't authentic. And I think, I think there's even an, an important uh, pre-step to that. I think that you had to get to a place where you recognized that you couldn't do it alone. And so the sooner that you recognize that you can't do it alone, where you can you can ask for help. I think one of the one of the challenges of driven people is that they don't often look for help. They don't seek those opportunities to to have somebody come alongside them. I'm, I don't know if they perceive it to be a weakness or if it's somehow less than or if it's just the way that the 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 DNA kind of evolves when you're a high producer. But, it, you know, I get that. Like Jen, Jen and I are that way a lot. I think, you know, the, like on the scale of asking for help, you, you know, from zero to 10, we're, we're not very likely to do it very often unless no. it's a it's a dire situation. And I, I don't know that that's a strength. I think that's actually a weakness. 
I think it's something that, uh, think, you know, strong people recognize when they need help and yeah. will seek it. Right. 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 Absolutely. And I think most of the time we know that we know this now that it is an element of pride. And it's funny because the word anxious has the word I in it. And with people that are driven to success, they're always looking to how does this look to me? How does this perceive? How, how, how am I being portrayed? And God had to really help me uh, get myself out of the picture <laughs> and say, you know, you need to portray God. You need to put God in the midst of everything you do. You know, there's a particular scripture that said, God did not, he doesn't want to be in the background of our lives. He wants to be in our lives. And if you always portray yourself in the foreground of your life, God, there's no room for God. There's no room for Jesus. You got to get yourself out of the picture, get yourself out of the frame so that God can do what he does best. And what he does best is directs our lives. He shows us the destiny that is so much more amazing than we could even imagine. And if I could just get myself, just do a little sidestep <laughs> and get myself out of the picture, God can do it. God will do it. He will make your life bigger, better, and brighter than you can ever imagine. Man, that's some good soul food right there, Sonia. I got to tell you, that is some good food yes. for the soul. What do you think about that, Jen? I thought that was great. Yeah, I know Jen's the oh, wide-eyed looking at yeah. me, smiling, yes. going thumbs up. This is good <laughs> stuff. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I think I think when you when you feel like you've got to control everything and mm -hmm. and and handle yeah. everything, there is no room for him. No. He's like, okay, you, you want to do it on your own, then go ahead and do it on your own. Yeah. But you know, at exactly. some point, you're going to realize you can't do it all on your own. And then I get the chance to carry you. Yeah. Then I get the chance right. to be the single oh. footsteps in the sand. I get the chance to carry oh. you. Why did you forsake me, Lord? Why did you leave me? I didn't leave you. I was carrying you. <laughs> yes. yeah. He'll give us yeah. that opportunity to be I carried. I like to be carried, so that's good. I know. I try to do it whenever I can. <laughs> I'm all about asking for help and just please carry me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That's what I want to just mention, like, on a loudspeaker. There's nothing wrong with saying I need help. Yes. I need help. Uh, and I think that's where God just like, okay, here I am. Here I come. <laughs> yeah. I know. He's I waiting for us. It's almost like I have this picture yeah. of a superhero in a cape yeah. running to, as soon as you say, I there need help, go. Lord, like he's like just right there, <laughs> like faster than you can there blink an go. eye and yeah. he's going to carry you and help you and I love lift that. you up and support <laughs> yeah. you and you know, all, all that goodness. Well, that, that is awesome. I'm yes. so happy to hear that you have somebody in your life. Yeah. You found your person. You I found a person that. That, that loves you the way yeah. that you're supposed to be loved mm -hmm. and cares for you yeah. the way that you're supposed to be cared for. Yeah. And I could not even configure. I couldn't even imagine the person that I wanted to have. 
And this is the great thing about God. I mean, he does things even beyond what you can imagine. And <laughs> when he came into, like when he came into my life, I was like, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, you're, you're, you're nice. You're all right. You know, didn't even think twice about him. Really. Yeah. I didn't. And after, you know, years of just fellowship and just, you know, befriending him and just really becoming friends. And this is what God wanted me to do. He wanted me to understand kind of the rules of godly dating, mm. the rules of how to interact with the opposite sex, yeah. because I didn't have that. I didn't have that experience. <clears throat> Even though I grew up with, you know, I'm the only girl and I have two brothers and most of my interaction with, with boys were like fighting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and competition, you know, everything was competition, you know, eating the cereal as fast as you can. Who can eat the <laughs> cereal faster than, you know, who can get out the door quicker? You know, Jen, it was always Jen, Jen would win in the cereal game. I'll tell you that. Oh right yeah. Time. Oh yeah. I'm a foodie. I'll win at all food games. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But you know, the interaction with the opposite sex, the interaction with dating godly mm -hmm. was something that I had to learn. You know, I didn't, I met um, my now husband when I was 39, 38, 39. I'm now 53. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, after dating and, and actually becoming friends for like five years and then dating for like three, um, we, we finally just said, you know what, I really like you. You know, I, I, I think, you know, we, we can make this work. And I was like, okay, well, let's go to um, <clears throat> see a counselor and have some interaction um, with a godly counselor. So it was definitely a blessing um, finding a godly counselor and just helping us maneuver through the dating, godly mm -hmm. dating uh, relationship. So. So good. So good, Sonia. Such a, such a great story, such a happy ending and a God honoring story. You. you know, you, 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 you really did find a way to show the true love and light of God. And that if we, if we, if we open ourselves up, if we're vulnerable, if we ask for help, if we find ourselves in a situation where we feel overwhelmed or life is out of control, you know, to sit there and, and, and ask for that, help that assistance his grace Amen. his mercy his peace the biggest thing is Amen. his peace like i that's been my thing mm -hmm. this whole 2020 is father god give me peace Amen. like just give give Amen. me peace let me let go of this let me stop trying to control things that are outside of my control let me trust that your plan for my life is far better than my plan for yes. my life. And Father yeah. God, as Carrie Underwood mm. say, Jesus take the wheel. Like just <laughs> right. take the wheel. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much, Sonia, for your story, for your truth, for your vulnerability. I, I've absolutely loved it. Yes, it was great. Oh, loved thank it. you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this um, uh, walk down memory lane yeah. and, and walk down of, of God's goodness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have recognized that as I started talking to you and thinking about some of the things that God has done and for me in the past, I, it became like a memorial mm. of, okay, this is where God showed that he was Jehovah Jireh. This is where God mm. showed that he was yeah, Jehovah Shalom. And this is where, oh yeah, I remember when he showed me a right way of doing that Jehovah Sid canoe. 
Um, and so it's, 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 I think it's awesome for you to just be doing this so that we can remember God's mercies and God's goodness. And I so thank you for this opportunity. Oh, that's that's that warms my heart. You're yeah. welcome. And uh, I think it was it was obviously meant to be. I think anytime you get a chance to come together and, and share time, share stories, share grace, share mercy, share God's love, you know, that's what we're all about. And I think that that is a message of hope. Yes, it is. Amen. 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 Yeah. What a God interview that was. That was absolutely awesome. I felt like I was at a God revival, a spiritual revival, mm-hmm. a, a, like a just a reinforcement of his love, his mercy, his goodness, his strength, his peace. I felt like I was at church. I know. It was, I it was it. such a great interview. Sonia, we're so thankful for your story and so thankful for your message because, you know, what I was excited about in terms of having her on is that that I, I know that this is much more common than what people realize or think, but I do think that there's a lot of marriages out there that are what I would consider to be loveless marriages. Yeah. It's, a, it's a marriage of convenience or a marriage that was initiated without the core foundation, mm-hmm. kindness, love, you know, generosity time, all that kind of stuff. And, and I just, I felt for her because I could see given her circumstance and her situation, how she would end up with somebody that showed her attention, showed her love initially, or showed her affection, let's Mm -hmm. just say initially. And then, uh, you know, took advantage of her, you know, but she, she had to go through that process to, come out the other side to recognize what she, number one, to recognize where she fell in God's eyes. Yeah. You know what I mean? What what does she deserve? Exactly. And it took other women coming alongside her to help her to realize that and other women supporting her. And it took her feeling uh, comfortable enough to ask for help mm-hmm. to have people come alongside. But then what happened? Boom. Oh. God transformed it all, transformed yes. her parents, transformed her relationship with, with men. She found a, a guy that truly honors her and respects her. I mean, I just think that, you know, it's like the beauty out of the ashes. Mm-hmm. She found her person. Just like I did. I love it. See, I feel, but see, when I hear a story like that, I, I feel so fortunate. Yeah. We met when I was 18. I know. And you were 15. I know. We didn't, we didn't have to go through... Can you, like, we've never, ever had any experience with, like, dating sites, Match.com, or any of that stuff. Those didn't exist. I know. We we have no perspective for what that's like, or the trials and tribulations of, you know, dating for Mm -hmm. 10 years, or whatever. Yeah. Both of our boys have used the dating sites. Yeah. And it's actually kind of fun. I helped Colby one day. I'm like, yeah, no, no. Pass, pass, You were swiping? Yeah. That is so funny. I was like, nope. Swipe right, swipe right. Hey. Swipe left. Your mom's going to pick the best person for you, right? This is true. (laughs) Don't all moms pick the best person for you? Well, all, we shouldn't say all boys, but most boys pick somebody that's like their mom. This is true. So. This is very true. Beware. Well, make sure you love your mom. <laughs> thank you, Sonia. What, what an incredible story. Just uh, we're so thankful for the, the message and yeah. the story of hope that she was able to give. Yes, it was great. And if somebody's interested in more stories of hope, if somebody's interested in listening to more of our shows, you can do so on all the podcast platforms. So if you can go to Apple uh, Podcasts, you can go to Google Play, you can go to Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of the, any of the places mm-hmm. you consume podcasts, we're there. And on social media, we'd love to connect with you. We're on Hope Radio Podcast on Facebook and Hope Radio Podcast on Instagram. Especially if you have a story of hope to share. 
you know, if you have a story of hope to share, if your story is one that you would love to come on the show and talk with us, we would love to have you. So send us a direct message either on Facebook or link or excuse me, Instagram, and we'll, we'll be sure to connect with you. And uh, outside of that, Jen, mm-hmm. Okay, we're always looking for more subscribers. We're looking for people to leave us a review and five, and a stars. Testi- five star testimonies and a share. Yeah, By all means, share. if you enjoyed the episode, take it, hit those three little dots wherever you're listening to it, send it out to your favorite people. Please do. Anybody else that needs hope. Yep. Everyone needs hope. You know what? Because everyone needs hope, I think we should do more shows. That means we're coming back tomorrow, right? Yeah, we're going to do another <laughs> one tomorrow. I knew it. Here's a preview of our next episode, Hope Radio Podcast number 77. Let's go back and make sure everyone's with us. So you and your wife, and you had your dog, and then was there anybody else in the car with you? Yeah, my my little two-year-old son was in the car. We'd actually just picked him up from daycare. So So the three of you and your dog were in the car crossing an unmanned railroad crossing, and you guys were hit, hit by a train. Yeah. Now, people have said to me, well... How did you not spot it? A train's kind of big, and uh, they've got a point. But snow falls so hard up there that we the, the bank was apparently 20 foot high with snow. So it was the, like the perfect storm in that he didn't see me and I didn't see him. And at that precise second, there was the perfect accident. 